The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's Monday. Hello, I am Zuri Hall, a year older, officially. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. That bitch contest you in first. Hey, technically my birthday was last week, June 2nd. I'm a Gemini. I am quintessentially a Gemini. Your girl is 30 free. Take that for what you will. And I feel amazing. I'm feeling super refreshed from the long holiday and from celebrating, you know, um, feeling very blessed just to see another year. Very grateful and very grateful to be back here with you on another episode of Hot Happy Mess. I am looking back at my life and just feeling so proud, not just of my career, but personally, you know, the growth and how I've been able to and high key still finding a way to balance and juggle everything dear to me. Because y'all know I was keeping it real uh, a few weeks ago. The burnout has been creeping in and I have been rebuking it in the name of hot happy mess. But oh, the devil been trying me y'all, been trying me. So slowly but surely we're, we're, we're getting back to a good place and I'm getting back to the balance that I need, that I want, that I preach, right? I've got to practice what I preach and it feels good to to be getting back to that that good space. And I want that for you too. Um, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves in a crisis. Lord knows I've been there a time or three, but instead of just languishing in the crisis, today's episode is going to share tangible steps on how to pivot and find your passion. You know, maybe 
you're in a in a tough place, you're feeling lost, um, and you don't know what to do, we're talking about it all, you know, whether dream jobs actually exist, job hopping, the pressure to hit certain milestones by a certain age. First, we're going to speak with the amazing Tess Brigham, who has been dubbed the millennial therapist. Then next, I'm bringing in my girls for a little group chat action, okay? It's a special version of the group chat. Stay tuned to find out just how. Cleo, Leah, and Star are gonna join and share their point of view on how or if they've even found their passion. And you guys, this is the first time that producer Star is on the group chat. Get excited, get excited. Whoop, whoop. It's a party. Really quickly, I also wanna remind y'all that we are seeking submissions for real women throughout our career and finance series. So if you want to share your real woman, real story, uh, send in the submission to hello at hothappymess.com. Anything you think resonates with you, anything you think the other women listening could benefit from, maybe you lost a job, maybe you came into the job of your dreams, maybe you went bankrupt and bounced back, maybe you went bankrupt and didn't bounce back. Any stories that you have or that you think would be interesting in the career and finance series, share it. Hello at Hot Happy Mess. Hit us up. We'd love to share your story. Okay? All right, let's get this party started. Let's kick it off with our expert. Here's Tess. And now we have Tess in the building. I'm super excited to talk with her today. Dubbed the Millennial Therapist by CNBC. That means she's just for us, y'all. This is so exciting. (laughs) Tess Brigham is an expert psychotherapist, certified life coach, and public speaker. Tess specializes in helping millennials discover their unique life path. She offers individuals concrete tools and skills on navigating obstacles in their lives when feeling lost. Tess is a vital resource for those who may be feeling stuck, uninspired, or uncertain by where they are in life. I could not be more ready to talk to you. I feel like I could use a little bit of this right now. I was just telling my boyfriend the other day, like, I think I need a life coach. So, <laughs> so I'm excited to dive in. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, just kind of break it down and test talk what you do, right? Like they got the bio, but uh, (laughs) what is it exactly that you do? Why is this your passion? Yes. So I, the best way for me to describe it is I do this hybrid of psychotherapy and coaching. So I take the, you know, I have this unique background. I have this unique blend of being both a therapist and a coach. And so I mush them together to really help my clients not only gain insight into why you're doing what you're doing, to give the insight, because that's the therapy world, but also what's missing from therapy, I feel, has always been the coaching aspect, which is taking action. Mm-hmm. So I say therapy is insight, coaching is action. Okay. Because it's one thing to have all the insight in the world, right? Ooh, I know this. And in some ways, it, it, as strange as it sounds, having tons of insight with no action is actually pretty miserable. Because you're aware, I'm aware I'm not doing the things that I'm doing and I'm not doing them. So that's what I found when I started working with people many years ago was I would always feel a little bit stuck of like, okay, you've processed. So now what are we going to do? You know, how do I help you? And um, so I mushed these two things together to help my clients figure out you know, who they are, what they want, what life's all about. I I think that I happened to start working with young adults. They were millennials at the time when they came to see mm-hmm. me. And I didn't intend to, but what I found was, it was like, wow, you know, what it's like to be a young person in the world today is so radically different than how it was when I was young. And mm. you forget once you're past it of 
these years of your life, you're trying to do two things at once. You're trying to not only figure out what do I value? What do I believe in? You know, how do I want to structure my life? Do I want to work to live or live to work? Do I want to have a family? Like what are, what's really, how do I want to make up my life? And at the same time, you're trying to figure out what's my career relationships. Where am I going to live? The tactical stuff and both things interrelate to each other. Both mm -hmm. things influence each other. So mm -hmm. it feels a lot when you're going through it that you're, you're making mistakes and falling down, which you are, but it's, they're good mistakes. They're good foibles, but it's hard because I think there's this perception or idea that you're supposed to know exactly who you want, what you want to do, who you are at 18 or 20 when you declare a major, then get out of college and then start going for it or, or get out of high school and start going for it when, in actuality, you have no idea who you are as a person. Your brain hasn't even fully formed and you need to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that part is hard because it's, you need to learn about yourself at the same time. You have to make a bunch of life decisions. Yeah. Do so, something about it. Too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I was reading this article just today, actually, um, by The Atlantic, and, and the title was Millennials Are the New Lost Generation. Mm -hmm. And they actually say, you know, millennials, we entered the workforce during the worst downturn since the Great Depression, yes. saddled with debt, unable to accumulate wealth, and stuck in low benefit debt and jobs. They never gained, we never gained, the mm -hmm. financial security that our parents, our grandparents, or even our older siblings enjoyed. And, you know, my friends and I joke about this all the time, that, like, growing up and graduating in the the early 2000s, the 2010 era was like the biggest scam of all time because we all got these diplomas and we were like, we're ready, employ us. And the states were like, LOL, that's yeah. me. You're going to need to ask your mom if you can stay on the couch a few more years. Um, for people who are feeling that, the, the very real side effects of the, the generation into which we were born, um, can you speak to that a little bit about what we might be feeling emotionally, the quarter life crisis? At this point, we're, we're kind of beyond quarter life. Mm -hmm. um, wh what type of crisis is this for us? And, and how do we know if we individually are feeling the burn a little bit? Well, um, so, yeah, I, and I think that, you know, millennials, they span 15 years. And I often say, because I see so many young people, that there's different pockets. There are the clients that I see that are now 34, 35, that graduated in 2008, 2009, 2000, right? Those years that you're talking about. And then mm -hmm. there's also millennials that graduated in 2016, and they had a totally different experience. So yeah. I do think, and what I've seen with the clients who that I have that graduated around that time, like... The, their choices, the choices that they made were heavily influenced by, you know, the fact that they could get jobs. Like one went off to graduate school right away. She said, I don't think I would have normally done that, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. I had one client who it really took him about 10 years to kind of find his footing because wow. he graduated in 2008 and it just yeah. kind of was flailing around for a while. So these things absolutely impact young people. And, and one thing that's really important is, is that, and I, and I'll say this to older generations when I talk about millennials to them, because if I say the word millennial, they'll just react. Yeah. And I'll say to them, you know, in 1950, you had a 90% chance to out earn your parents. Today, mm. you have a 50% chance. Wow. So what you're really talking about is you're absolutely right that millennials were told growing up, if you work hard, if you do the things that you're supposed to do, if you work hard in high school and get into a good college, you'll be happy and successful. If you, if in college, if you do lots of internships and you do well in college and you make connections, you'll get a great job out of college. 
And either they graduated and didn't get that great job or got a job that wasn't going to pay for this tuition, or they went and they got that dream job and they realized, wait a second, this doesn't make me happy. Mm. Who am I? You know, Mm -hmm. what, all of these things. So it is incredibly difficult. And I often tell people, if you think you're going through a crisis, then you're going through a crisis. Like, don't judge yourself for it. I think that's the other part of it too. A lot of times clients, people say to me, oh no, I don't want to, you know, oh God, I shouldn't say that I'm in a crisis. Like if you feel you're in a crisis, you're in a crisis. Yeah. And it can happen at any time at in different reasons at different times. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're out there and <laughs> you feel like you're going through something, <laughs> then you're going through it. Honor, it's yeah. true. And a crisis is a good thing. Crises are, mm-hmm. you know, huge lessons for us. As much as the, the destruction of the pandemic and how awful it's been, the one thing you can take away from all of this is what do I, what can I learn from all this? What can I, how right. can I grow from this crisis? Right. So crises, while they're really difficult to go through and be a part of, we have these crises because we need them they're in necessary. order to shift and grow. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was today years old when I realized the plural form <laughs> of crisis is crises. So thank you for that. I will be using it in many sentences moving forward just to prove that I know the plural of crisis. Um, you yourself, you, you've you been open about the fact that when it comes to your story, you had a quarter life crisis at age 27. You know, you had it all, quote unquote, you're a top Hollywood junior talent manager. But on the inside, you know, you talked about feeling empty and, you know, like, what is the point of this? You took a massive risk. You quit your job. You rebuilt a career uh, and a life that you loved. And that takes so much bravery. And we've talked about that, particularly in the first few episodes of Hot Happy Mess. The the moment that each of us, me and my friends, realized I am miserable and I don't care what it looks like to the outside world. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel how I feel anymore and how we pivoted. For those of us who may be listening today and feel a little bit lost, feel doubtful, what do we do in that moment? You know, this episode is all about finding your passion. And for a lot of people, particularly older millennials, You know, people were asking me recently in an Ask Zuri segment, am I too old to begin again? Mm. How do I start from scratch? And I'm such an advocate for starting from scratch. I never want to feel too old to do a new thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love if you could speak to that. How do we handle that that doubt and that that feeling of um, just sort of like aimlessly wandering through our own life? Yeah. Well, you're never too old. I and I think that that's just that's your fear talking. That's your fear taking over and. Is it difficult to, you know, um, get your pay cut by a big, you know, and half? Is it difficult to go from a top ranking role where you get to boss people around to someone? Yes, absolutely. But really, I always say, you know, careers are long. Careers Mm -hmm. are long. And we are all working much longer. We're all living longer, working longer. So you really need to enjoy what you're doing. And I think often people hit this wall and they're like, oh, I'm 35. You know, what's the point? It's like, you're going to be working the next 40 years. Like, Mm -hmm. what? You want to do this? You want to be miserable every day and, and your whole life? And so I really do encourage people. And I think so much of it is about okay, you know that something's not working, you know you're not happy, before you panic, before you run off and 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 um, do something crazy, I think that the first thing that you have to do is really take a hard look at your life and say, what is working? What is not working? Mm. You know, what is it that I really enjoy doing? 
Why was I attracted to this job? What are the parts of the job that I really enjoy, that I, that I get lost in, that I have something in it? And it could be anything. It could be, well, I actually don't like the job at all, but I really love talking to people at work about this or that, or I love this aspect of it. it you know, I tell people like take an audit of your life and really figure out what is working and what's not working. A lot of times what people find is it's not the job. Like the career, it's not the job, it's the boss. It's not the job, but it's the company culture. It's not the job, but it's, you know, um, it's something else there. It's the people that you work with. And, and so once you're able to really figure that out and diagnose it, you can start to make shifts and changes around that. It's not the job, it's my partner, right? Like there's certain mm. things. A lot of times yeah. we think it's this over here because this feels, the job feels like I have more control than I really need to break up with this person. That feels right. really scary and out of control. Right. So audit your life, be a detective. I love true crime. So be a detective <laughs> and um, start to identify what those things are and start to make changes, slow changes, gradual changes. Because mm-hmm. what I've seen over the years is people fall into one or two categories where they either do nothing and they stay stuck, that fear of, of well, what am I going to do and how is this going to be? And years go by, years and years and years. Or they they are like, that's it, I'm going to quit and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they leave. And, yeah, and then so they extreme. find out. Yeah, and then <laughs> they find like, out oh, like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm in Bali, but yeah. I'm still, I, wherever you go, there you are. Like, I'm in Bali, yeah. but I still hate myself. <laughs> Still don't yeah. like myself. <laughs> like, why does life still suck? <laughs> I just yes. changed locations. That didn't fix everything. I won't yes. money back. So it's about it's you you are with you. You know, the mm-hmm. relationship with yourself is the longest one you'll ever have. So mm-hmm. it's really about you stopping for a second and figuring out like what exactly is going on with me. And some of it is internal and some of it's external. And it's about working on both of those at once. Um, which I think is really important when I work with clients. I really, you know, it's about the daily habits, the way you speak to yourself, and it's about the the, the tangible things that you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For people who might know that something's got to give, that they want to explore different options, is there anything that you've ever recommended to your clients or that you suggest we try to kind of get the creative juices flowing when it comes to exploration and figuring out what lights me up? What makes me happy? Any exercises, activities, experiments? How do we figure out what a new passion might be if we don't have that quiet burn deep down inside of us? Or are we just screwed and we should just stick with our, our, our job that we currently have? <laughs> so I usually recommend to clients a couple different things. The first thing that you can do is reach out to people that you know in your network and ask them about their jobs. Like if you think that you want to work at a nonprofit, you already have a bunch of reasons why the nonprofit, like, oh, it's going to be less money. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be right. So before you throw it all away, before you think that's not right, go talk to people, you know, and say, hey, will you get on the phone and talk to me for 30 minutes about your job? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? What are the pitfalls? What are this? Get a more realistic idea because that's the part of it is we make tons of assumptions about things long before we even try it. So Mm. do some research. Go talk to people. People are more than happy to talk about themselves for half an hour with you. (laughs) This is accurate. (laughs) So, so, and no one's going to turn you down. And if they do, eh, they're not like, that's how it is. So Mm. I would do that. I would um, take a class, you know, take, if you have some idea, when I left LA and came back to the Bay area, 
I had this inkling that I really enjoyed talking to actors. Like that was the thing I liked doing. I liked problem solving and I liked the relationships. And I was like, God, but I've never taken a psychology class. So I took mm -hmm. Psych 101 at a junior college. And mm -hmm. I just went and took the class and I was like, do I like this? Yeah, I like this. Then I took another class. I'm like, oh, okay. I really like this. I'm going to apply to school. So it's, it's about just do the low hanging fruit. There's lots of little things that you can do to help you go to events, go do this. The problem is, is that, yeah, it's going to require you to get uncomfortable. It's going to require you to reach out and ask someone and tell them I'm not happy, or yeah. it's going to require you to go to a class and be in class again. It's going to require you to go to a networking event, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things. But I also think the other part of it too, is there might be people out there who are so burned out. People are so burned out right now from everything. Listen, that's going I call on. it best life real. burnout. It's Ugh. so real. We're just trying to achieve, achieve, achieve. And yeah. we're tired. Everyone's exhausted yeah. for good reason. And, um, and I do think there are a lot of people out there that are just burned out that just need time off. Like mm -hmm. you just need a couple weeks off because when you are burned out, you're in fear. It is really hard to think clearly. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but um, <laughs> it's really hard. It's hard to think about these things. So if you feel like you're burned out, if you're like, oh, I can't take a class. I don't want, I can't do any of these things. Then take some time off, take a step back. Don't do anything for a little while. And then if you feel like I don't want to take classes, there's so many things that you can be doing exercise. You know, there's exercises on the internet and all of that. You can talk to a coach, you can talk to a career counselor, like go seek help. If you can't, mm -hmm. if you feel like I can't figure this out for myself, then yeah. it's worth you seeking out and see to get, because what coaches, therapists, what we do is we, um, we just help you. We take a step back from your life and look at things for you. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard when you're in it to see clearly. Yeah. And so some of it is just having someone help you see clearly. Got it. I love that. So I'm fascinated. I'm taking notes because I'm like, wait, do I really need a life coach? Maybe I should <laughs> have a therapist. She's amazing. But it's like, do you, do you suggest that people really lock in on insight and action? And maybe that means if you feel like you can't get that on your own, you do book the therapy appointment and also maybe do double duty with a life coach. <laughs> is there ever a place where those two things intersect and you get the two for one? Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's what I do. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I also think that, you know, clients that come to me who, you know, it, it's, and I assess whether or not they're good therapy clients or coaching clients. I mean, I do think I usually tell people start with therapy, start mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. because therapy is the place where if you are having mental health issues, if you're in pain, if you have trauma, if you have any of these things, you, you have to work on those things first. And so, because these things are going to continue to block you and it really help you, you know, figure some things out, gain the insight first. Okay. Um, if you feel like, you know what, I, I have insight. I know I need to change my job. I don't know what kind of job I want. I don't know how to even start any of this. Then that's much more for coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, the part that's hard is like, it, you know, there, there's a fine line between therapy and coaching. They are different. There's a lot of overlap you know, in terms of what you're doing. The best thing is, is that um, a good experienced coach and a life coach can help you with a lot of these things. But if you have a mental health issue, if you've suffered from trauma, if you've got a complex psychological issue, then go deal with that first 
and then go see a coach. I by I by no means want to break the bank and have you see all of these people because all the people, all the coaches. Because it's gonna it's it's also you need to have one person at a time to work with mm-hmm. you and it's gonna confuse you too much if you have yeah. too many people in your ears. Right. So let's say we we've got it sorted out. We figured out our insight, our action. We're we're locked in. We know what we want. Um, something when it comes to passion and following a passion that I think a lot of us can relate to is family pressure or societal mm-hmm. pressure about what we should or shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, I just said on our most recent episode talking about my career story. I've always been super ambitious. I've always known what I've wanted, and I've learned over time that I just had to kind of stop explaining myself or why I was doing what I was doing mm-hmm. to people because they didn't get it. And it was just a waste of my time and energy. And I was going to do it anyway. And I was like, okay, look at it in hindsight. What would you say to people who are like, you know what? I know this is what I want in my heart of hearts, but my mom says, get the money now, be happy later, stay at that job. They would tell me at every local, not my, my parents, but just, you know, like family friends or an acquaintance when I was in local news, Oh, just stay there in 10 years. You can be the lead anchor at that station. I was like, I don't want to be the lead anchor at the station in Iowa, no shade to Iowa for the next 10 years of my life. I've got these plans for myself, but it's really hard to convince people we care about sometimes. Um, And they're only acting that way because they care about us and they think it's what's best for us. How do we navigate those conversations? How can we set healthy boundaries with the people who love us who may not support our passion? Yeah. Well, what I often say to my clients is this, is your mother going to go do your job every day? Like you and only you have to live your life. That is it. You have to live with your choices. You have to do that. So, and I do, and I understand I have a lot of clients that have tremendous amount of family pressure, first generation, parents risked, you know, came here, you know, want to build a better life for their kid. And the thing is, is that it really does come down to you have to live your life for you. Mm-hmm. And your parents, you know, there are lots of ways that you can have these conversations with your parents and still have, they may not understand you. And I think that's where I would really start with and say, you know what, mom, dad, I know you don't understand this. I know you're worried. I know you're concerned, but uh, this is what I need to do. And I just need you to support me in it. I'm mm-hmm. a parent myself. So I do understand the parent's perspective because every parent is really, the biggest fear is, oh my God, my kid's going to end up living in my basement forever. <laughs> right. And as a parent, your job is to to create a happy, healthy child that can go out into the world and be a productive member of society. And you're always going to worry about your kids. You're always going to be concerned. So it's not about you trying to take away the worry and concern of your parents. It's just asking them, like, this is the kind of support I need from you right now. I know you don't believe it. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but this is what I'm going to do. I want you to be a part of it. And you don't acknowledgement you know, an an acceptance of something doesn't mean agreement. Mm. You and I can accept something. You and I can, I can acknowledge it. I could not agree with it. That's fine. I have a difference of opinion, but I can still hear you and respect you. And that's the part that's really important with parents is to do that. And yes, it's super scary and your parents are worried. So 
<laughs> yeah. But you're never going to let that go. Parents just right, worry. Right, right. part right. of Parents the worry. That's what they do. Yeah. That's why we love them. We need, we need them. Um, dream careers. You know, people might have a passion and decide, I want to do this thing. But it's easy for us to fall into the trap of romanticizing an ideal partner, an ideal job. If I was just doing this, then I would feel this way and be this way and everything would be great. Um, what's your perspective on that? Does a dream career even exist? Is it a myth? Um, when it comes to pursuing one's passion, what do you hope people keep in mind on that journey? Well, so I, I try to steer away from the word passion with people because mm, passion, interesting. Is, Why? passion is fleeting. Oh, passion. Okay. When yeah. you focus on passion, I, I love what I do. I am thrilled with what I do. Am I passionate about it every single day? <laughs> I'd like to sleep in later. You know, I'd like yeah, to kind of take yeah. a nap, right? So Are we headed it, toward purpose? Maybe <laughs> It's purpose and it's meaning. Okay, you want yeah. to find a career that is meaningful to you, that gives you, that gives you that sense of purpose of why you're getting up every day to do this job. You some days might feel it more than other days, but that's going to carry you through happiness, passion, you know, all of those words. It's, it is a moment in time and mm -hmm. trying to hold on to that is exhausting. Mm -hmm. So the other things like purpose and meaning will always carry you through a lot more. I mean, I do think there are jobs. I think people do get into a place where they have a job that they really, really love and they enjoy it and it brings them a lot of meaning for them. Yeah. I think that it's a long process and it's a long process of awareness and risk. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's the part of it is that, you know, for me, my stuff has always been risk. Like I have yeah. risked and risked and, ri and like put yourself out there and done it over and over again. And that I've gotten to where I am because I just kept risking and trying yeah. and doing. And, yeah. um, and so if you want to have, you know, the career that you want, it requires you to do all that work. I was saying earlier, auditing your days, what do you like? What don't you like? You know, what's working for you? What's not working for you? How do you, you know, how do you build this for yourself? The other part of it too, is I want to say is that you can have, you know, you may be right now in your dream career, but you're not allowing it to be good mm. because you're choosing to be miserable in it or you're choosing mm. for it not to be good. So yeah. we tend to um, really think in terms of like, we tend to go to the negative. We wake up in the morning and what's our first thought? I don't have, I didn't get enough sleep. I have so much to do today. We really sit in the negative. Our brains and bodies are designed to keep us safe. That's how we operate. So we naturally go to a place of keeping ourselves safe. And, right. and, and in that, so it's very easy. It's so much of this is about you saying, you know, how am I thinking about myself and the mm -hmm. people around me all day? You know, is this, is this job really terrible or is it that I think everybody is terrible around me or I get <laughs> mad at everybody all the time or everything right. frustrates me? You know, you, your job is to manage your thoughts and it's not about always thinking about happiness and rainbows, but it's really about the thinking about, okay, I'm not happy with the situation. How do I think about it differently? Right. You know, and, right. and our thoughts are, they, they play such a huge part in our lives. 
Yeah. You've talked about how our 30s can be a great time to reinvent ourselves. And I love that. Um, I'm about to come out. So I'm just about to activate my Madonna. You're going to get Madonna in the 30s. We're doing Yonsei for my 40s. Stay tuned, guys. Um, but in all seriousness, if people are thinking about reinvention, like what, what does that look like? What tips do you have for someone, particularly the 30s? You know, that's kind of the millennial sweet spot. Um if we want to do that, where do we begin? What do we look at first? How do we rediscover ourselves? And, and how do we project that to the world, particularly a world that might be used to seeing us another way? Mm. Well, I think, I mean, I think that I always say the 30s are a great time to reinvent yourself because remember, you are not in your 20s anymore. My guess is you're a lot more confident. You're more sure of yourself. The things that were yep. keeping you stuck in the past that, you know, would trip you up about, oh my God, this person doesn't like me at work that you would ruminate on. You don't even think about anymore. So it, it does come back to that same idea of really taking what you know about yourself. You know, things about yourself already. You have the, you know, a decade behind you that has told you and given you so much information. It keeps coming back to thinking about, and, and I think by, sorry, by the thirties, you've recognized, okay, right? The, it's not about checking the boxes. It's not about, you know, having the perfect partner and having the perfect house and having the perfect, whatever that you've realized that, that it's really about how you feel every day. Mm -hmm. And so the thirties are a great time for you to think about and focus on how do I want to feel every day? How do I want to feel when I go to work? How do I want to feel when I wake up next to this person? How do I want to feel when I walk around the, the town that I live in? Because that is the essence of yeah. life. You know, it yeah. really is. And so remember all of the things that you already know about yourself. You have this huge thing, much more than you think you do. Mm -hmm. And you can take, I think a lot of times when people think about pivoting, it's like, you have tons of skills, tons and tons of skills and things that you can do. And you really have something else in there that you want to do. It's a matter of looking at it. I think it's, again, not getting stuck in this place of, oh, but I'm going to have to take a pay cut or, oh, I'm going to have to do this or, oh, I'm going to have to do that. Like it, you're going to feel fear. Right. You're going to feel right. it. like, and just accept do it. Scared. it. Yep. yep. That's Absolutely. exactly it. Um, lastly, um, a tangible tip, if you have one or two for someone who is deciding to switch careers, but who may not have a lot of experience in that field, particularly after we're not, you know, in our early twenties anymore. And the question is why now, you know, when you're sitting across from an employer and also how do you explain, uh, the gaps in the resume or the lack of experience? Are there any suggestions you have for people who might, you know, be finding the courage to begin again, <laughs> but are quite literally beginning again. Yeah. Well, I think it does start back to your network, right? Get back mm. to your network. I think people forget that. They hate this idea of having to ask people for help. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. And you have a network of, of people in your life and figure out how they can help you. Out here in the Bay Area, you know, one of the easiest ways to pivot is if you're at a big company is to go to a startup. Go to a startup where everybody's relatively new. Everybody's doing a thing. You know, I think another piece of it too is maybe you'll have to do it for free for a little while on the weekends. Like I've had clients yeah. who, you know, thought about doing event planning. It's like, okay, you're going to be working this wedding every Saturday for whatever it is until you build up enough time 
on your resume until you can transition. Mm -hmm. But I think part of it too is being really creative about the different ways that you can get experience, right? Employers, what they're looking for someone who can be um, a go-getter, autonomous, especially now in the remote world. They're looking for someone who can get in, solve problems and figure it out. So that I would take the same approach to your resume, how you put it together. I tell my clients all the time, spend the extra money to go to like a professional resume writer to really help you do it. If you spend that extra money, trust me, you will read your resume. You will be so impressed with yourself. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you want to apply to jobs. But some of it is sometimes it is about doing like the side thing for a while and having to work during the day and at night. And no, it's, it's not fun, but we talk about like work hard now and you'll enjoy it later. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit of like, do this work now and you're really going to feel more satisfied later. Like, yes, you could work yourself to death and make a ton of money when you're young. But to me, it feels like, what are you doing that for? You know, I, I, it's, it feels almost like a prison sentence to people like, you know, 10 years and now I'm going to have all this money. And it's like, Your life is happening now. And if the pandemic has told us anything, things happen that are out of our control. Yep. And I do, it's it, and you do need to feel good every day. You know, how you feel is important. Absolutely. That's it. That's what we're all about here on the podcast, finding our magic in the middle of life's messes, not putting off our living for tomorrow. Uh, Those are really, really great tips, particularly um, about how to start. You know, when you talk about side hustles, if any of you are listening and thinking, oh, I do want to actually dive into a side hustle, maybe we do have a full episode coming on that very thing. Um, So stay tuned for that. But Tess, this was such amazing insight. If people want to keep up with you, maybe reach out to you to book a session, where can we find you? Yeah. The best place to find me is my website. It's tessbrigham.com. You can book um, time with me for a consult there. I also have, I'm on Instagram at Tess Brigham. I give lots of, I do reels with tips and tricks and I have tons of great content on there. And um, if you are, you know, someone who's like, I need to find my path. I want to figure out who I am. I have a course on my website as well. It's called Find Your Path. And it's all about... There are these six things that I've drilled down over the years that that young adults, millennials struggle with and that will really help you. You know, there's sort of the foundation, these foundational things that to learn when you're when you're young, because right. If you can learn these things now, if you can make these changes and pivot now, imagine imagine who you could be 10, 15 years from now. Amen to that. Tess, thank you so much (laughs) for joining us on this episode of Hot Happy Mess. I appreciate you. This was really great. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. 
There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. That was such a dope conversation. And I love, love, love what Tess said about reinventing yourself whenever you want and just doing it scared. That is my motto, y'all. Just do it scared. If you're waiting for everything to align for you to feel 100%, you'll be waiting forever to do most things in your life. At least I have found that to be true in my life. And speaking of reinventing yourself, next up, we have the ladies from the group chat. They are going to share their personal journeys. I can't wait for you to hear these awesome stories. Producer star, like I said, she's making her group chat debut and she is leading this conversation, y'all, about career pivots. I am sitting this one out. Ooh, we're switching it up on you. Um, she's steering a convo about career pivots, productivity, burnout, and finding the dream career that serves you, that serves them, the ladies specifically. Like I said, we've got Cleo, Leah, and Star. You're going to love it. Here's the group chat. Hi. Happy. Yes. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. We back in the group <laughs> chat. We missed it. I know, right? It's been a long time since you guys been on the podcast. Um, so... I'm glad you guys are here. This is my first time in the group chat. So excited. Welcome. Really glad to have you here, Star. Finally, producer Star is coming to the front. All right. You guys are super kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just excited to be here to have this conversation because it's something I've been excited to talk about. Career pivots, finding your dream passion. Because honestly, it's something that I've been struggling and, you know, struggling to figure out and really trying to navigate over the past 10 years. And I know that you ladies have your own stories of how you've navigated this journey. And I'm really excited to hear that and just hear like any advice and encouragement that you have. And I think it's going to really be a great episode. So let's get this party started. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Do it. (laughs) Leah. Leah. It's funny (laughs) because... I really, I feel like I've pivoted so many times. So I'm like so ready for this conversation. I'm like, yeah, now I'm pivoting again. Um, 
So a little bit about my background, you know, I, I grew up in New York, I went to college in New York, I went to NYU, and I was waiting tables all through college uh, at this restaurant chain and, you know, found myself getting promoted at that restaurant chain a couple of times really wasn't my plan. I don't even think I knew what my plan was at the time. I was like, maybe I'll do something in communications. When I was younger, I wanted to be on Broadway and I wanted to be a singer. And then I landed in hospitality and eventually ended up actually in corporate training, um, which was amazing. I learned so much. Uh, I got to learn how to manage employees, how to manage a business, um, be in communication, uh, conflict management, all kinds of wonderful skills that I was able to use later on. In was life. it corporate and training in, this- in hospitality? Yeah, yeah, in hospitality. So big risk. So I worked for a company called Le Pen Quotidien or LPQ, um, as many people know it as. And, you know, I opened up something like 20 restaurants around the country for them. Um, and then I went to another restaurant after that before finally realizing like, you know what, I kind of just fell into this and I'm grateful for a lot of the the things that I have learned, but I don't want to work in restaurants anymore. So here I am, you know, early twenties making a good amount of money and a corporate, you know, restaurant job. And I was like, what do I do now? I have no other experience in literally anything else outside of my like college internships and stuff. Um, But I, ended up picking up a consulting gig for a tech company that focuses in hospitality. So I was able to kind of use this new interest I had in the tech world and bridge that together with my hospitality background. And then from there, ended up working for a another tech company that uh, does gift cards, electronic gift cards. And I've been working there for a couple of years. But here's what's funny. I'm now doing something completely different that has nothing to do with any of that. And I'm doing a full pivot once again. You know, throughout this whole time, I've been producing... Um, and we could get into a little bit more of that in a bit, but I've been producing all kinds of things for the last 13 years. And now I think that I'm finally on the path that I meant to be on in my thirties, which is producing full time. And I'm very excited uh, to say that I'm doing that now. I love that. Girl, get it. Ross voice from friends. Pivot. <laughs> pivot, pivot. I'm so excited for this friends reunion. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I've never really <laughs> uh, me friends. too. Me too. What? I never. It, it might be too late. It might be too late for you. No, I'm I'm committed to not ever really getting into it. So you'll hate it now. Um, I love that. What about you, Star? Like, what's your kind of background journey? Right. Um. So I actually started um in higher education. So I was an <laughs> academic advisor for several years. Uh, I. In undergrad, I had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea. My mom told me I was going to be a teacher. And so up until senior year of college, I was going to be a secondary education high school teacher teaching history or social studies, something like that. And then I did went to my first student teaching position and I said, oh, hell no, I, I know I cannot do this. <laughs> and so in the fall, the, the fall, in the spring, I was supposed to graduate. I had no idea how I was going to graduate because I didn't have any like requirements like met. And I was on a scholarship too. My scholarship was supposed to be up in that spring of 20, not 20, oh no, 2009. And so I was talking to my friend, Johnny, and I said, Johnny, I don't know what to do. He said, why don't you switch your major to liberal studies? And so because I had a lot of like credits 
in that field, it was a, easy to switch over. Mind you, I had never talked to an academic advisor at all about what I wanted to do. And so uh, I switched over. Uh, I got called in to like uh, like an academic advising appointment. And they were like, so we're a little bit concerned. You're supposed to graduate. <laughs> You're not on track to graduate anymore. <laughs> And so um, I was like, well, I'm going to do liberal studies. And I said, well, what are you going to do when you are you going to go to grad school? What are you going to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. And they were like, well, your scholarship's up in the spring. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to pay for school? <laughs> and then um, so they're like, well, you need to write a letter and ask for an extension. So they're like, you can finish in the summer, but you need to get your scholarship extended. So I was able to get my scholarship extended, graduated with liberal studies. And again, still had no idea what I wanted to do kind of just like escaped to Europe and Korea for three years. Um, <laughs> I found an internship out of college and I was just working on a military base. And then my friend moved to Korea. No one asked for this long story. I am the worst storyteller yeah, ever. Get it. No, I love it. Story too. I'm, I'm so curious. <laughs> and so I basically, after living abroad in th for three years, I met my husband and then I became a military spouse and I was thinking like, oh, we're going to stay abroad forever. It took us to Kansas after we got married. And I was like, that's not hot. This, this ain't it. This ain't it. <laughs> this is not it. And there's nothing to do in Kansas, um, at least where we were. And there was a local university, Kansas State. It's not a local university. Kansas State's pretty big school. And I was like, I guess I could spend some time and get like a master's degree, I guess, as a backup plan because I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I got a master's degree as a backup plan in academic advising. So I was like, well, I like working with students and I like telling people what to do. And I never can seem to not tell people what to do. So this seems like a good position. So I did it and I did it really well. I graduated with honors and I found a job and I hated it. I love working with students, but I hated working a nine, not even just a nine to five. I just hated how rote it was and how it was not ex exciting. And then... I still didn't know what I wanted to do, though. So I found myself stuck in that career for several years, working either as an academic advisor or as a career advisor. And I would find myself just kind of trying on different jobs. Like I did influencing, I did blogging, and I was like, oh, I really like that. And then I was like, okay, social media marketing, what's that? You know, a lot of these things that's happening now wasn't a career back in 2009, 2012, 2013, 2015. It wasn't even a career to have this. And so last year, <laughs> uh, no, 2019, I decided I'm done working in academic advising. I'm done with higher education. I'm going to pivot and I'm just going to try my hand at being a full-time creative and seeing where that lands me. So I'm just going to try anything. And I was like, I really like digital marketing. I like social media. Maybe I can find a career there. And then it segued into me doing producing for the podcast and then just doing other stuff. And I realized, you know what? I kind of like producing. I like being behind the scenes. I like being in front of the camera as well. But being behind the scenes, I still kind of get to tell people what to do. I still get to kind of do all the things that are my strong points. And so now I'm here. I don't know if it's my passion, but it's where I'm at now. Well, you're killing it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Two things to say and that's about how that. you find your passion. Two things I have to say. 
I have to say this whole like expectation that we're supposed to graduate college in four years is total bullshit to me. Like the fact that you had to like, I thank God they gave you that extension on your scholarship. But even the fact that that was a conversation is like drives me insane. And then two, the fact that we're expected to know what we're like, what we're supposed to do with the rest of our lives when we're 20. Like, I don't know what I was doing when I was 20. Anyway. Ask backwards, girl. Me too. Like who knows anything when they're 20? Cause I didn't. Cleo, tell us your story. Oh, girl, it's a story. So um, I have immigrant parents. My dad's from Jamaica. My mom is Canadian. And in our household, like education, 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 24 hours a day. Um, and so from as long as I can remember, I really wanted to be a lawyer. So I went to university. In high school, I was naturally smart. And so when I went to university, um, I almost failed out of my first year because I didn't study, because I never had to study. I had no idea how to do it. And that first like year, three semesters of university cost me so much money in the end because it's so hard to get rid of shitty grades. So I did my first degree. I was living in Alberta, which is like a province in Canada, which is very much like the Texas of Canada. It's oil money, oil country. I finished my degree in like six years, took forever. I did okay, but I wasn't competitive. So I got out of that job, started working for the government and I was making good money. I was make, I was like, I don't know, 20... 24, however old I was, making like 60 grand a year living at home. And I hated it. I was like a pencil pushing file girl. And everyone was so catty. And that's not my style at all. I'm such a girl's girl. I don't like that kind of environment. And I thought I was smarter than everyone I worked with, to be honest with you. But then I was like, I can't even put my money where (laughs) my mouth is. Like, I'm like, I think I'm smarter, but I don't have the credentials. I don't have the education. I can't do anything. So at that point, I decided, like, I have to go back to school. I did okay in school, but I didn't have competitive enough grades to go to law school or to go do my master's. And so I went back to do a second undergrad, which was only another two years on top of the time I'd already done. So I moved away to Vancouver. I did my second undergrad in criminology with the full intention of going to law school because I was like, oh, your girl can be a lawyer. She's got this. And (laughs) halfway through that, I had, like, an existential crisis, and I had what I would call Mm -hmm. a quarter-life crisis. And I was like, do I really want to be a lawyer? Like, they read all day. It sounds so boring. Like, my ego really wanted me to be a lawyer. And, of course, the training that you get when you have immigrant parents being, like, law, school, everything. And at the time, my really good friend, um, who's still an actor, his name is Jared Joseph, he was saying to me for a long time, like, Cleo, I wish you would do PR. Like, you're so good with people. This is your vibe. I think you should do my PR. And I thought he was being dumb. I was like, shut up. So for two years, basically, I just was like, stop talking to me. And halfway through when I had my quarter life crisis, I was like, yo, bro, are you serious about this? He's like, I'm been dead ass. Like, I'm 100% serious. So at that point, I was like, okay, how can I parlay this into something educationally so I have the credential, I have the skill, because I don't know anything about PR. So I put all my eggs in one basket. I wanted to go to NYU, actually, but American universities, y'all, this the amount of money you guys charge for people to go to university is outrageous. Oh, it's 80, ridiculous. It's a cash Another cow. thing that's ridiculous. <laughs> International students are our cash cow. Like $80,000 <laughs> for like one year, not including my living expenses? My guy, what? Oh my God. It's so, so pretty. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah my mom US worked dollars. at NYU. So like, yeah. my mom no. worked at NYU. So I got that tuition remission. Oh, that's Girl, nice. get it. Yeah. So Otherwise, I, I couldn't have gone there either. <laughs> There's no way. So I decided NYU was out because they had a great communications program. And I applied to a university in Toronto, 
which is across the country. They only take 20 people every, every year. And I got in, I put all my eggs in that basket. I was like, I'm getting into Ryerson. And I did. So I went to Ryerson, got my master's degree in professional communication. I was like, great. I'm going to be a PR maven. I got out of it, started working at the university. I had worked through in universities and at different levels of government for this entire decade of school that I was in. Got out of that, quit my day job. Cause I, I couldn't justify. I was like, you guys are not paying me well. I'm really highly educated. I have lots of work experience. And I just was like, ew, you're $22 an hour. Like, keep it. I don't want your money. I can do better on my own. So then I quit everything, started my own business, which was, uh, to be frank with you, like, ass backwards. It was not a good move in terms of money. Like, whoo, girl, here we are. But you're also told these narratives about entrepreneurship. Be your own boss. Do your own thing. Right, Tay Tay. And so my friend Jared ended up actually being one of my first clients. And I got into kind of like the PR communications world which I very soon discovered I hated. I was good at it, but I hated it. Actually, and the best part is Zuri was one of my clients, one of my easiest best clients, actually. (laughs) And so I moved into that world. And somehow my, um, what I realized throughout like the cadence of my career and all the things that I'm doing is I want to be doing things that are naturally aligned with my skill set as a person. I am very good at things that I'm naturally aligned with. And I don't want my work to, I don't want to say feel like work because that idea that like, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. No, that's horseshit. You're going to work all day long. But (laughs) what I do want to do is do things that are fun. Right. But I want to do is do things that are fun with the people that I love doing projects that I think are of value to me. And so I worked for myself. I own I co-own an all female DJ booking agency and it's actually great. I mean, pandemic has ruined our lives, but whatever. And, um, essentially I started that business with my now business partner. That's been great because it involves like a lot of project management, people stuff. I deal with the clients. I bring the money. I can find money. That's what I do. And then all the other stuff that I was doing a lot of the time was basically high glor- uh, glorified production on, on anything. So I, um, describe myself as an air traffic controller. I just make sure everybody does what they're supposed to do. Everything gets done and taken care of. And until, Literally last month, I have been working more or less for myself for the last, let's say, six years until I, because, you know, I really had that entrepreneurship thing in my head. Like, you got to be your own boss. You want to own your own business. You want to do it for yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then I started working with one of my closest friends. And I was like, I really like working with people and not doing things by myself because doing shit by Mm -hmm. yourself sucks. And it's it's really hard. And we got to a point where she was like, I don't want you to work with anybody else. So like, can we find a way to just make this a thing where like you have ownership in the things that we're doing? Cause that's what you want. And that's it. And so what I did was folded all of my business into her business. And now we have a business together um, in the things that we do. But it took me six years of like being like, I should do this on my own. I want to be a business owner for me to actually realize I don't have to do any of those things because in my opinion, like when you work together collaboratively, you will go so much further than just being on your own and having that like narrative of doing things by yourself and always having to be that person because entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's a hard road and that's it's not. like a hard conversation for people. So that's basically my very yeah. long story. Yeah, you're totally right. Like entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's super intimidating. Honestly, I don't even know it's for me because like, I don't even know what I'm doing. 
have the time, right? And I, I'm starting to move away from this idea that you have to turn your hobby into your passion. And this is like the thing that you have to do. And I don't know if I want my hobby to be the thing that is my livelihood. Like, I don't want that, right? Like I enjoy my blogging, YouTubing, and I like that it's separate from podcasting. Like the two worlds don't mix unless I want them to mix. And so I have no problem with, you know, freelancing and nine to five and all of that. And I'm beginning to, to make that shift. And I think it's okay. You can have the best of both worlds. You can do both. Neither one is wrong. We just have to stop judging people and just forcing people into this, these extremes of you have to do this or you have to do that. Like that's so frustrating and it's so limiting, honestly. Uh, Cleo, you talked a bit about your PR company and your journey into entrepreneurship. I would love for you to tell us a bit more about like, you know, the pitfalls of it all and the successes and just tell us your, your story. Yeah. So I really did it backwards. Like 10 out of 10, do not recommend winning your day job with no other plan and no money in the bank and student debt and all of those things. <laughs> but one of the things about me that also is part of my natural skill set is that I can solve problems. That's, that's what my job is. That's what I'm good at. Right. So mm-hmm. When you're somebody who is accustomed to hustling and just figuring it out on the fly, me doing that, I was able to eventually get to the point where it was like, it was fine. But if you're somebody who needs to know where your next paycheck is coming from, how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to collect your money, how you're going to do any of those things, I promise you entrepreneurship, this this ain't it, baby. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. You don't want this life and you don't need this life because that's what part of it is like. And then the next part that comes with entrepreneurship and working for yourself, especially as a freelancer or whatever, is being able to advocate for yourself in a way that allows you to get paid properly without getting shit on. And, and Mm -hmm. that part's really, really, really hard to do when you, when you need money, because you'll be like, oh, well, I really need this money. Cleo, you hit the nail on the head. And I honestly feel like in our society, we often do people a disservice when we don't talk about the fact that money, resources, having a safety net is equally important to chasing your dreams and to pivoting and being an entrepreneur. And oftentimes the lack of having that can prevent people from actualizing what they need. And and I feel like we have to be super transparent about the fact that safety nets are privileged. And it's something that, you know, some of us have and some of us don't have. Like for me, honestly, my spouse, he's active duty military and he has a stable income. And through his job, we have health insurance and he's a primary income earner. And so I have him as a safety net, which has allowed me the opportunity to pivot and explore, you know, working in impact work and to to working in production and just trying these different things and pivoting these different ways. And I would be doing, you know, people a disservice to say like, oh, you know, I did it myself. I, you know, worked this hard and I hustled this hard uh, without having to say like, I wasn't also worried about, I was able to do that because I wasn't worried about my rent or my mortgage because of my safety net. And so I feel like we should just be as transparent as possible um, if we have that that privilege. Uh, Leah, how has it been for you in navigating your journey in regards to having a safety net or not having a safety net and all of that? Yeah. So, um, you know, also a little bit 
privileged, um, mostly because I am someone that, blessing and a curse, I can take on a lot. Um, I am able to, I've been working many different, I don't want to call it jobs, but many different opportunities, careers, all at the same time for a long time. Like I've been producing always as more of a passion and because I, if I'm not doing something good for the world, then like I just, I start to go store crazy. So I've been producing for 13 years more as a passion, impact work, voter PSAs, fundraising galas, fashion week shows, things like that. Always while, while I was working, um, a more traditional job. Although mm-hmm. to be honest, my tech companies have not been nine to five either. <laughs> so it's all, it's, it's all been a bit of a whirlwind. So, you know, I'm still doing that now as I'm, as I'm getting things together, um, to start my own business, uh, I'm continuing to run the tech startups. I just, and I don't necessarily recommend this to everybody, but I work a lot. Uh, I'm up at six every morning and I'm, you know, I'm getting to work and, um, that's just what I need to do for me mm-hmm. so that I, I, I can eventually get to the place of right. what I want to do and what I feel like my destiny is in my career. So doing both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you are, you own your, you own your own business and you're an entrepreneur. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And- I, um, I don't own the the tech companies. I'm a minority shareholder okay. and I run operations. Um, and for my production company, I am a co-owner. I'm, de- I'm not doing it myself. <laughs> I am definitely, I love the idea of being my own boss, but I also love the idea, like we were talking about earlier about collaboration. So really excited to be on this journey with, uh, a really close friend. And actually I think we're going to bring in a, a third partner as well. That's a really close friend. And just these like amazing badass women working together. Yeah. That's how we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Collaborative work. Is, I feel like that makes it even more exciting. Like um, yeah. Cleo was saying like collaborative and I don't know. Um, working with the people you love though makes, at least for me, I had to learn what like drives me as a person and what my MO is. And my MO is like mm. service to, to the people that I love, because I believe that if you succeed, I succeed, we can all succeed and we can all get rich together. So let's not even get it twisted. Girl, we try to make money. <laughs> like I'm trying to be rich. I'm not a rich Yankee in robes and shit. Like I'm trying to have a nice life. But I also believe that, especially as a black woman, as uh, a woman in business and all of these things, part of my responsibility and part of like my ethos is to always make sure that we're reaching back to help other women in the space. Black women, LGBTQ, intersections, everybody. Because when you are given space at tables and you're given space in rooms that you otherwise wouldn't be given, in my experience and opinion, when you reach back and you help those other people to make that same opportunity for themselves, it pays back a million times over, like a million fold. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. 
There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once in a lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. We're talking a lot about like how being in college pushes us towards a certain industry, but we didn't really touch on like societal and parental and even like friend groups and how that expectation and perhaps even comparison can often lead us down like a path where we're like we're stuck in. I don't know if, if it was like that for you all, but it definitely felt like that for me. I didn't have it necessarily for my mom outside of she wanted me to, she wanted me to work in a position where I could give back, like how you were saying, Cleo. And for her, that was be a teacher. That's like the ultimate way to give back. And so that was one of the reasons why I chose higher education. Cause I was like, well, I'm still teaching in an, in an essence, except I'm not teaching like fourth graders or like high school students. These people are adults or they're, they're either young adults, 18 to 21, or they're like 40 or 50 years old, because I did adult education as well. But I actually felt more pressure from society and family friends, and even from my own personal friend group, where I would see like my friends working, not necessarily these glamorous jobs, more so that they had like a clear focus on what they wanted to do. And I envied that because I was just living in Europe and everyone just thought like, stars above she wants to be a travel <laughs> blogger this is not a real thing <laughs> she needs to get a job she doesn't have a formal k she doesn't have any savings and so i felt like this intense pressure to like find something and do something which is one of the reasons why i like took on grad school and what's so ironic is that now, several years later, my friends are going through this career shift, they're transitioning mm -hmm. and they're starting to rethink their ideas of what it means to be successful. And they're now coming to me and they're asking me questions about pivoting and about working in jobs that they don't feel fulfilled in. And I'm just like, what? This is kind of like a mind fuck, honestly, because you know, 10 years ago, I was just wallowing and people pleasing and trying to be this person and trying to like 
follow this blueprint and just failing horribly at like fitting into the, the lines of this blueprint. And I wish I could tell 20 year old, 25 year old star, Hey, you don't have to follow this, this archaic blueprint of success. Just stick to your vision. You can do it because now in my thirties, I feel so much more confident and pivoting and trying on different things and just being brave enough to just do it without bowing down to societal pressure. Um, how is it, how is it like for you all? Um, I don't know if I would say I felt the pressure and it's interesting star. My mother worked in higher ed and she worked in career services yeah. for many decades. So mm-hmm. it was kind of awesome because every single time I changed my mind, very <laughs> blessed that my parents were like very supportive and, and whatever you want. And I know that that's a big privilege as well. Most people do not have that. Um, my college degree, I changed it like three or four times, took me, five years, mm-hmm. including summers and winter sessions to graduate, you know, which is just super like statistics. Totally yeah, like, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. But I honestly, I've used my degree so much since then. Like I got a degree in organizational behavior and communications and I took classes like emotional mm-hmm. intelligence in the workplace and conflict management through communication and things. I, I mean, insane. I would too. do it again. I would yeah. I'm like, I want to take these classes again. I still have the textbooks. I like, I reference them sometimes. I I hand them out to people. Matter of fact, I still need to get one back from my amazing manicurist who stole one from me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I use, I use them all the time. I'm so grateful for it. How about you, Cleo? Did you feel pressure like that from your, from your friends or your family or anything? Mine was interesting. So my parents were entrepreneurs themselves. They had their own business. Um, they did. They were always about like education, just like, because neither of them made it past the 10th grade. So they were like, look, this is how we understand the world to exist. And especially in particularly in the kind of business they were in, they're like, look, you can make a great deal of money doing what they did. They were, they worked in, they owned an escort agency. And because of that, um, they did well for themselves for a long time until they didn't. Um, and it comes with many different um, intersections in that world. But my parents were always like, look, you are going to be educated. My mom used to say, you can, you can do anything you want. You're, you can be a bum on the streets as long as you're educated. And I found that what my, what my, uh, I don't want to say pressures were because I never compared myself to other people. And I'm really thankful for that as a person, because I realize I'm not anybody else. Like I'm, I'm me. So I never um, felt like envy or jealousy about people. What I had a hard time with was that I didn't have any safety nets. My parents, I don't come from wealth. I don't come from parents who could ever help me. So that hustle and mindset that the way that I moved was always do or die. And that actually ended up becoming like a limited, a limiting belief for me that I've had to unlearn now at 33, you know, the last couple of years, I've really worked hard to undo those things because what ended up happening is sometimes I don't think I have imposter syndrome at times where I don't think I'm worthy or I don't think I'm smart enough or I don't think I'm educated enough to do this thing because right. And star said it. And I wanted to like, come back to this point star. And you said like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, baby. We don't know what we're doing. I promise you, I've owned my own business for almost six years. <laughs> the entire time, I've been like, I don't know. Let's try this. And that's the <laughs> honest to God truth. I'm like, I guess I'll give it a whirl. And, and that's where part of the imposter piece comes in with all of these things is, is we think we don't know what we're doing. And, and now I've had to like stop at this point to be like, bitch, you know what you're doing. I know yeah. what I'm doing. I know where to find money. I know how to build a business. I know how I'm emotionally intelligent. 
I know all these things, but again, as women, because of patriarchy, because of being a, a black woman in business, mm-hmm. all of these things impact how you show up in the world. And so a big part of what I've had to fix in my world is understanding that I belong in these spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm smart enough. I'm educated enough. And I know what the fuck is up. I can do this. Yes. And consistently reminding myself that the imposter syndrome, like trying to keep that at bay is, is interesting. And what I I'm, did a podcast last week with my friend Vivian K and she is an entrepreneur. She's built a seven figure business. She's a baddie. And she has this concept called, um, it's called Chadacity. So what, she says, what would Chad do? And she said, and it's not like a bashing against men, anything like that. But her thing is like, look, what would an average, a mediocre, man, road, a mediocre man, what would a mediocre man do in this situation? When a mediocre man applies for a job yep. that he's not qualified for, and he goes to that interview, what would he do? So you need to have the chadacity <laughs> that anybody else has. So anything that comes up in your life, remind yourself, what the fuck would Chad do? And whatever right. the answer is, do it. Because just show up and take we as job. women, girl, he will come, he'll show up and only have two of the five things that he's yep. qualified for out of that job. And get and that not even a job. resume. Seriously, I'm loving Listen. everything about exactly. this conversation. But women will have four out of five. Yeah, I'm loving Girl. everything about this. And, and that's... The- my Ooh. girlfriends and I, we talk about this all the time because you, you're so, Cleo, like literally like point for point. I'm over here like, yes, 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 yes. Like we, I have imposter syndrome <laughs> like that too. And I'm like, and then like I'll have this amazing pitch meeting where I like secured this funding for this project or whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, right, right, right. I do, I do know what I'm doing. And I, 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 I do really do like a one or two things. And then all these white dudes running around with these jobs that they have no qualifications for at all. And they're just walking around like they own the place. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> Except that's who have qualifications. <laughs> exactly. I think we're all coming from like a similar place. But when you come from a place of where to get into a certain position, you have to have a degree. And that was like paralysis for me once I decided, oh, I want to go in this completely different route where I don't have a degree in marketing. I don't have a degree in, I don't think you can even get a degree in production. I have no idea if that's possible. But I would look at all these jobs on LinkedIn and all of that. And I'm like, okay, I want to work in digital marketing. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they would say, you need a degree. You need to have this. You need to have that. And I would just think, oh my God, I got to go back to school. I got to go back and do this. And then I spoke. I finally was like, okay, I'm a network and just ask people that actually work in the industry. And so I told them what I could do. And they're like, oh, I would totally hire you if I was a hiring manager. And I was like, oh, and they're like, you have the skills. You just got to tell people that you have the skills and show people that you have the skills. Yeah, you have to speak about it. You have to package it. You have to remind people and not, not make yourself small. And that's yeah. what we do sometimes as women. We forget mm-hmm. to like speak up about our successes, speak up about right. the wins, and we forget to celebrate mm-hmm. the wins. I've and sometimes because we're told to like Ooh. to be too humble, like you know, like right. not to humble about anything, like but humility. And I feel like sometimes humility becomes like a crutch where you're just like, yeah, I mean, I did that, girl. Like, I'm not really you, like kind of like apologizing, but I'm like I'm mm-hmm. stepping out of that and I'm realizing that like I'm. I totally know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I sometimes have to write, I write things down in my, like my resume. I'm like, every time I'm doing something new, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna add this. I'm gonna add that. I know how to do that because even though I don't have like the. No, you have it. 
No, no, you're totally right. I have the skills and I'm becoming even more confident in, you know, proclaiming that. But still, and I feel like it's very important to note this because I know that some people, especially when I think about my students that I worked with and just even my personal experience, you still have that imposter syndrome rears ugly head when you're having to show proof because although we're on the path of enlightenment when it comes to not having to follow a blueprint of going to school and being an mm. expert and getting a degree in a certain way, it still is like that. And it gets very frustrating sometimes and scary when you're in these meetings and you're having to, you know, try to show proof or not, even if you're not even in a meeting, like when you're wanting to apply to different jobs, like right now I'm freelance and I am thinking of wanting to go work for a company. And it's just like, how do I show that? Which is very, again, ironic because I've literally taught people how to put their resumes together, but I taught them how to put their resumes together for corporate jobs and corporate spaces and not in like this creative element. And so it just, it just gets mind boggling, especially when you're having to show proof. And it's just like, how do I show proof? And like, how do I prove that? Like, although I didn't go to school for this. And that's, but that's sometimes where you need like a little bit of help is some, it's sometimes just in the packaging. And I don't mean you specifically, sorry. I just mean like as women, I also think what's so important and what we started doing on our team, like with my friend Coco, who I work with all the time is kind of just reminding ourselves and being each other's cheerleaders. Sometimes you need someone else to give you that fucking smoke. Like we need the smoke. And sometimes you can't give yourself the smoke for whatever reason mm. it is. Cause maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I know this, but when you have friends and you have people in your life who can hold up a mirror to you and be like, that's quite enough. Like, you know what you're doing and who are there cheering you on like bang, bang. It's the most important thing because it makes a difference. And sometimes it takes so much time to get there. Right. Like I had to have someone, my friend Coco stand in front of me for a year and be like, Cleo, I don't think you need to work 67 contracts. I will give you whatever you want. Let's make some more money. Let's figure this out. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know how else to function if I'm not working myself to the bone for 16 hours a day. And, and a, a full year of her just standing there and being present in my life until I got to the point where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe you're telling me the truth. Maybe you do want me to be successful. <laughs> and it was so stupid. It's so stupid. I spent a year of my life ignoring <laughs> someone who's like, please because of the imposter syndrome, the shit that you get told as a woman, you're too aggressive, tone yourself down, soften your thing. What? I just asked you to send me what I needed, sir. <laughs> All right, so I wanna segue into a topic that I find very interesting and it talks about the dream job, right? Is it debt? Is it a myth? Is it something that we were fed by the patriarchy, by capitalism, by productivity to get us on these hamster wheels and work us nonstop to the detriment of ourselves, to the detriment of our joy and finding happiness, true happiness, right? And so I want to know from you all on your perspective, is the dream job dead? Is it something that we should be striving towards? Is it just something that's supremely archaic? I want to know. What do you guys think? I think it's, I think it's completely different than what we were maybe taught as kids, right? Like when you're in elementary school, I remember 
you know, the day you're supposed to come to school dressed as what you want to be when you grow up. And we're asked all through our childhood and adolescence and, and all over, you know, for years and years and years, what's your dream job. But the reality is going back to what I was talking about earlier, like how in the hell are we supposed to know that at any point? Seriously, like I'm, I'm in my thirties now and I'm still like, I, I, I'm working my passion now. I'm doing what I think my destiny is when what I'm meant to do but I don't, there's no way to know that for sure. I could be five years down the road and be like, oh, maybe this isn't like, and then, and then it's time for either another pivot or a reevaluation or whatever that looks like. I think that having this idea of a dream job is completely detrimental to our society. And we should just go through life and do our thing and see what happens. <laughs> Because whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. You know, you got to work towards it for sure. You got to do different things and figure out what your interests are. But whatever's supposed to happen is, it will. I actually agree. I think what what we've done and what we're really obsessed with in our society, and I feel like anybody who's ever listened to me, I talk about this 24 hours a day, but we're obsessed with the idea of binary things. This, that, yes, no, black, white. And that never leaves room for nuance. And there's there's a a spectrum of things. It's not either or. And so the idea of the dream job, like you're speaking, it's very linear from what we're taught in school. Like you go to school, you go to university, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you this, the dream life, if you will. And that's so linear that it never leaves room for error. And I listened to this concept very recently from Shan Boudram called Blank Pages. And Blank Pages is this idea where you leave room in your story and in your narrative for a blank page because that allows you to rewrite the story on that blank page because if you're too married to the story and how it's set up you never have the room to adjust your your um vision and you can't do that because life experience dictates for anybody who has lived that you're gonna make changes and i couldn't have known that i would find myself in the space that i'm in in an all-female dj booking agency doing brand deals with coco and co managing money for people i could never have predicted at 16 17 or 25 even that this is where my career would take me. But my life experience and mm. having good people around me and having the privilege of being able to pursue higher education across the country from my small city that I was raised in have all afforded me the opportunity to flex my skill and my muscle. But none of those things could have happened without the space to be able to deviate from what the plan is of whatever it is. Cause I have not fit the plan girl. I'm, I am on a different path. And and that's okay. And and if I want to impart anything on anybody, I often think about this, and I wish I had known this earlier, albeit I don't know if it would have been valuable earlier, but education is not the only way for success. And, and that's not to discount the importance of education, because I will tell you my decade of school, while I don't use my criminology degree on a day-to-day basis, what school taught me was the ability to be adaptable, to be use my critical thought to research, to do a million different things that are skills that I use every day in my work. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only way. It's not the only avenue. And, and also maybe it is the avenue for you, but there's more opportunity and there's more options. We just need to create a space where people understand that there's other things that exist than the traditional linear way of being successful. Yes, you all. That is exactly how I feel. Like I agree with you guys like 10,000%. For me, a dream job is just no longer 
reasonable anymore because I don't want to be constrained to just doing one thing. I like learning. I'm a student of life and I feel even more now with my long-term mm. goals that I need to be adaptable to be able to shift depending on what this industry is doing. And I enjoy it. I enjoy like the new challenges and I enjoy the fluidity of it all. And so I just want to just have my dream job be my life, right? I just want to dreamily live. And one thing that that's kind of helped me figure, figure that out and be a little bit more confident in that is just really untwining ambition and financial success. And that has been like a key thing for me that I no longer tie the two together and they're two separate things. And so now I know that my long-term ambition is, you know, I want to live abroad. I want to do this and do that and live here in Portugal, live here in West Africa and like travel the world. Like I love doing that. And so that's like my dream. <laughs> that's what I want. And so I'm going to use these jobs to feel and fuel that passion of what my ideal life is and just like be super fluid in it. Right. And just take things as they come and just, you know, <laughs> dreamily live and just be present. Sounds like your passion is dynamic. And I think that's what it's people super forget. Dynamic. It's dynamic. <laughs> it's not static. I've been finding yeah. myself saying that so often, like boundaries, <laughs> ideas, thoughts, they, they can't be static. Otherwise they're nothing. They have to be dynamic. And if your passions and the things that you're looking at in your life, they don't, I mean, if you don't want it to be dynamic, that's also fine too. Maybe you want to work a nine to five and you're perfectly good in that. And the world needs all of those things. But the sooner, in my experience anyway, the sooner you find out what makes you tick as a person, the easier it is, it's going to mm -hmm. be for you to be able to find out like what drives you like, m you know, working for me working in my nine to five where I was getting paid a stupid amount of money to do nothing every day didn't work for me. I was like, I don't want to get paid to do nothing. I want to get paid to work. I want to get paid to be a bad bitch. I want to get paid to make people rich. And but it took 10 years for me to be like, oh, Wow, I figured that out. And that's okay. There's no, you know what I mean? As, well, there's, there's no, no stop point to, to figuring it out. Yeah, there's no schedule. Hallelujah. Times are different. Thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> normalize, normalize, you know, pivoting a million times if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, reinventing yes. yourself. The expert talks about that on the podcast in the earlier segment. She talks about reinventing mm -hmm. yourself in. Um, Oh, I love that. A reinvention. Yes. I also think too, one of the other things like that, and this might be a delineation because I'm Canadian and you guys are American. So I know a lot of people end up in situations too, where they're stuck in those situations because of healthcare and benefits and things that yep. they need. Things that I can acknowledge also too are privileges for me as an entrepreneur in a, in a country where my healthcare is free and I don't have to worry about, worry about any of those things. I walk into the doctor, I'm like, yo dog, give me a note. To run all my tests, give me my physical. It's not, it's not an issue. So don't ever feel, and again, this is just for the listeners out there. Like don't ever feel like if you need to like hold something down to while you're pursuing your side job or your passion or whatever you're doing, do what you got to do. And, and yeah. I, even in the career, in the span of my six years of working for myself, multiple times I picked up side jobs, by the way. So this again, not linear. I was like, yo, I need a side job. I need to make some extra cash. <laughs> Woohoo! 
They didn't have OnlyFans, but I didn't sell pictures of like my feet. I'm kidding. But you crush <laughs> no, OnlyFans. I love it. No, I pay to see you on OnlyFans. Right? Girl, I, I keep thinking I, about it. I'm like, I have really great hands. I really want to like Can I, can I like tell a, you, we have get like, a sugar daddy for my hands. Side. Like laugh about it. We, we were like, I should make an OnlyFans called Titties and Toes. So I totally got the screen name, even though I would never do it. But I just I got nice feet, and I was like, I can sell pictures of my feet. Um, Cleo, yes. don't there's a market yo, for it. Don't market think for we forgot anything. that earlier. You like very briefly mentioned that your parents owned an escort service. Like I feel like we should really do mm. a whole episode on we should that do that alone. Next, Listen, the next that's a sure. whole episode. Yeah. Or like Listen, 10. it's a whole episode, <laughs> and trust me, we get no. There's so much to it, and we can talk about it if we want to add <laughs> that. We can get my dad in here, we get my mom in here, we can talk all about it. Let's find out so how they feel got, about there's, there's a lot of content there. <laughs> Definitely got to find out how yes, they feel. They, they would say that they're. I mean, listen, they would say, uh, "I know." My mom would be like, "Cleo, you know what, honey? There's a lot of money in fetishism." <laughs> She's like, it "You is. do a lot there, of stuff." She's like, you do a lot of stuff. You don't even have to have sex with anybody, so. I tell my friends that all the time. I have a friend that's really good at talking. She never stops talking. And I said, you can make a lot of money. You can make a yeah. lot of money. You just be talking to these dudes for free. No days. You find your niche, baby. Listen, this is me academic advising people all the time. So, um, using those skills. Thank using you, skills. Right there. I know. Listen, I say, I, I'm using this degree somehow, some way. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? 
their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. So one thing that I believe we should explore is the concept of burnout and mental health and how no matter what job you're working, whether it's your dream career or it's just a job to pay bills, our society has conditioned us to over-exhaust ourselves to do these things. And it's toxic, it's detrimental, and it doesn't make us happy. Uh, Cleo, you even touched on this earlier when you talked about realizing that you don't have to work 60 hours a week to accomplish your dreams. And so I want to turn it to you, Leah, and have you, you know, take us through your journey with burnout and mental health and how you've been able to, to navigate that. And if you are able to navigate that. Yeah, really, really great question, Star. Um, it's a daily struggle, honestly. Like I am someone, I have really high highs and they'll happen for, you know, months at a time, which is amazing. And then I have really low lows. Usually things all kind of come at me at once, what personal life, work life, whatever that is. Um, fortunately, I know how important like a work-life balance is. I know I've done a lot of work on myself over the years. So I just, I know myself very well. I have a lot of emotional intelligence and self-awareness, but I struggle with burnout. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with all of those things. I'm very high functioning, but I struggle with all those things, you know, and I think mental, your mental health, it should be your number one. Like it should really be your number one priority. Like um, if you have an issue, issue, seek out a professional and talk to that professional. It's really difficult in this country for a lot of people due to our lack of healthcare. But if there's any way that you can figure that out or attend seminars online, read books, you know, um, I know a lot of people I've been talking to recently, you know, struggled with attachment theory. I know you talk about that a lot on the podcast as well. Like there's, there's other resources out there. Um, ask your friends for help. Any family members, literally anyone, you have got to take care of yourself. Um, otherwise, it's it's not worth it. Nothing is ever worth the cost of your own health and your mental health ever. Oh, tell them, Leah, school them, <laughs> read them, baby. I'm high functioning too with the anxiety depression yeah. as well. It's I'm in it right now. You know, the last like three, four months have been amazing. It's up, up, up. It's motivation. It's excitement. It's possibility. It's all these really amazing things. It's it's early mornings and late nights, but like I love it. And then like you know, reality sets in, and you're like, ah, imposter syndrome. Until it's not. So I up more than I could chew. I have to build this business plan, whatever. And you do it, and you deal with it. But you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. I make sure I take care of myself. And you got learning the boundaries mm. is the hard thing. Like what I really struggle with. Cause Say I'm not, that I'm like the ooh, girl, the boundaries. Did, did you feel me like oh, come out? Oh, like ooh, boundaries. I love I boundaries. Out your skin. The boundaries. I love boundaries so much. <laughs> and honestly, I'm Jamaican. My dad's Jamaican. And so we always like, it's like an ongoing joke that Jamaicans have like 65 jobs. And one of the things that what, like, again, my dear sweet friend Coco, who is my gut check on all things. She had said to me, and I didn't, I really didn't understand it at first until she was like, Cleo, you do not understand the power of singular focus. She's like, and you've never had the ability as a person to be singularly focused because you're always in school trying to find a next paycheck, trying to work these jobs, trying to make the rent, trying to do whatever. And she's like, if, and she's like, look at how effective you are with your, with your focus split into 50. And it really hit home when she's like, imagine if you took all that focus and put it on one thing, like you would be unstoppable. 
And I had never considered that. I never even thought about such a thing that there was a space where I could be singularly focused on something for any period of time. And that moment was like a really big turning point for me and in my own mental health, because I'm high functioning. I cope really well. I'm probably like, I'm securely attached. I'm all the things you could ask for in basically a person. And, but I'm adaptable. And because I'm nimble and adaptable, oftentimes you can offset the shitty shit that happens by just adapting to whatever this, like the level is that you need to adapt to. And to be given the space as a person to have somebody else like protect my space and my peace and hold that for me to be like, no, stop it has meant more to me than anything. And the boundary thing, my guys, it's so hard. Like, let's not even fool not nobody on this podcast. <laughs> Setting a boundary, especially when you work for yourself and you have people to answer to is so, so freaking hard. But what Leah said is 100% right. It's not worth it. It's literally not. And until you, you won't know until you know. But the sooner you can learn to execute and to put in those boundaries, the better you'll be because it will allow you some modicum of control over your life. Like, I don't know that I believe that there's such a thing as work-life balance. I think there's work-life integration. <laughs> I don't know that there's, you'll ever have balance because, because something will always have to give. And that's all the way that life is. And that's how life goes. So your job is to sometimes adjust. But where you can control that stuff, you need to control it. So y'all, get learn a boundary, go to therapy. Learn a boundary, do it. I love boundaries so much. <laughs> yeah. I want to get boundaries like tattooed all over my body. I just love them that much. Oh my. You should, you should yeah. put it on your right throat. here. Like, not no regrets, but boundaries. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say I tell my I would tell my students this all the time. I was a day career counseling as well, and so I would help with resume writing, and they would always say, "I'm great at multitasking." I was like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> because you're in my class, and you can't even focus on what I'm doing. And, you know, studies have shown that multitasking reduces your productivity by 40%. And I would tell my students, you know, you don't have to tell your employer that you can multitask. Tell them why you don't believe in multitasking, how you do better focusing on one thing at a time, and that raises your productivity. And, yeah, I just want to say that. So I completely agree with you. I'm working even more on like reducing my multitasking, whether it comes with like the tabs in my browsers and things like that, because that gets overwhelming and just kind of detoxing that way. I still struggle with boundaries. Um, it's something my thoughts <laughs> know if you are. But yeah. One day at a time. Uh, one day at a time. It's hard. Yeah. One day at a and time. And you're in therapy. Uh, so, so that's like, you know, yeah. the hardest step is like and I'm making in therapy, that move yeah. to get into it. So getting it. Listen, I said, can I get a referral? That again, we talked a little bit about safety nets and all of that. So I'm really grateful because of my husband's job, we get, you know, basically good health care, great health care. We have good coverage so that I can go to therapy as many times as I want and be like, hey, so. <laughs> So it's great. Yes, girl, yeah. work it. Guys, this has All been the right. best conversation. I'm so happy you guys just uplifted my whole evening and I feel amazing. Yeah, this was great. This Yay. was really, this is also the first group chat I've been on where everyone agrees on everything. And like my last one <laughs> with Trevasha, like we almost got into like a fight, like a good hearted, like great, powerful debate. <laughs> like, but like we were so opposite. <laughs> I oh hear God, what you're saying. So and also like, it doesn't change anything that I just said. <laughs> and also no. I totally hear you, yeah. but no. 
but no, uh, I don't agree. Yeah, that episode was really good. Uh, that was the episode all about marriage. So make sure you guys go check that out. Amen, baby. All right, queens, towards this life. And until we meet again in our next group chat on Hot Happiness. <laughs> all right. Bye. Did you love that combo or what? Thank you so much to Cleo, Leah, and Star for their vulnerability, their openness. Such an awesome combo and one of the reasons why I created Hot Happy Mess to have this safe space for all women to share their journeys and receive encouragement instead of judgment. So be sure to follow the group chat girls on Instagram. You can follow Star at 87 pages. That's 87 pages. You can follow Cleo at Cleo Ellis, C-L-E-O-E-L-L-I-S underscore. And you can follow Leah at underscore, underscore, Leah Elizabeth underscore, underscore. Okay. Um, Before we wrap things up, remember to visit hothappymess.com for all of the show notes, resources, links, and info from our experts and our group chat girls. And before we end, I want to share a super quick iTunes review from one of our listeners. CG11288 said, Hot Happy Mess is life-changing. I stumbled across this podcast based on suggestions and I haven't stopped listening to it at all. Fresh perspective. And this podcast makes me feel like I'm not alone with what I go through in life. Highly recommended. Mm, CG, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. I truly appreciate it. A reminder, you can leave a review on iTunes. It's free and it's the easiest way to support Hot Happy Mess. If you love what we're putting out, if you love the content, if you love the community that we're creating and you want more of it, That's it. That's the best and easiest way to do it is to let it be known um, so that the powers that be can see that the vibes are there and it helps us grow the podcast. Okay. So if you want, leave a review, go to Apple Podcasts, type in Hot Happy Mess, scroll down and write a review and hit us with, I don't know, five stars. Five stars feels right. Don't keep us a secret. Share this episode with a friend right now and leave that review, okay? Follow me at Zuri Hall on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter, also at Hot Happy Mess. And I will see y'all in the next one. Monday, baby. Adios. 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 This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC.
There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. (laughs) 